Welcome to the Doggy Dan Podcast Show, helping you unleash the greatness within your dog. Hello and welcome everybody. I'm Doggy Dan from the online dogtrainer.com video website. Thanks ever so much for tuning in to this podcast, show number eight, which is all about when dogs bite owners. So that's the title. It's, you know, it's a pretty serious topic, but it's a very different topic from sort of the other dog aggression, dog aggression towards other dogs or, or other people. It's actually when your dog is actually aggressive to you. And inside the show, I'm going to help you explain a whole load of stuff. I'll touch on in a second. But before we kick off, basically a little reminder, the show notes for what I'm talking about here can be found at www.doggydan.com forward slash show eight or go to doggydan.com and do a search. So what is coming up? Well, first of all, I want to basically touch on the most common reasons that dogs will actually bite their owners because you can sort of narrow them down into, I think I've narrowed it down into maybe four groups. Obviously, there's a few other little areas where dogs may bite, but I've categorized them into four different areas. And what we'll do is we'll touch on them, but then we'll have a look at how it all works in the wild. Because with this topic especially, I think this is a great example of a topic where you have to understand dog psychology for any of this to make sense. And the solution as well is all about dog psychology. It's not really this the sort of issue cannot be solved by um, a little piece of uh, chicken or treats uh, that sort of thing. It's about dog psychology. So we'll touch on how it works in the wild and how all those issues, all those common reasons that dogs bite, how they sort of, uh, how it all works in the wild and why it's totally tied in to sort of uh, your dog's innate behavior. Not that we can't stop it. We certainly can. That's what this podcast is all about. Thirdly, I want to touch on something which, I, which is what I call the lethal combination. It involves three things. And you do not want to mix these three things together. Sadly, it's probably one of the most common causes of serious dog bites. Um, yeah, so we'll, we will touch on that. And then topic four and topic five are part one of the solution. Um, I, I'm calling it a life-saving rule because if there's one rule other than the, you know, avoiding the, the lethal combination, if there was one rule, it would be this rule, which will really keep you um, very safe. And topic five is part two of it, which is the real dog psychology part, the bit I, the bit I absolutely love. And I'm holding that till the end, not because I, I want you to listen to the whole podcast. I'm not trying to trick you into listening to the whole podcast. You, I think you can skip to the end if you want to. I wouldn't do that, though, because there's lots of juicy bits in the middle. But if I do it this way, then when I give you the solution at the end, it'll all make so much more sense. So that's what we're going to go through all about how to basically how you can make your dog so much more tolerant and how you can make tolerant dogs almost bomb proof so topic number one let us get started the most common reasons why your uh, dog will bite and i'm also gonna i must remember I must remember to include the little bite that i got i think i've been bitten uh, mm, is it twice i've had two little bites um yeah i certainly want to talk about one of those so the most common reasons why dogs bite. First of all, is it's when food or yeah, food bones. I put down toys as well, although it's not quite so. Um, dogs don't seem to trigger quite so much with with balls and sticks and toys and stuff like that, but they can do, and it would probably fall under the same category. But food, basically, dogs very often will bite. I say very often, I'm not saying lots of dogs will will bite as a percentage, but certainly dog bites 
can occur if you do the silly thing, such as stick your hand in the dog's food when your dog is eating. Now, there may be loads of you saying, yeah, 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 but doggy down, my dog's great. You can take the food away from them. That's fantastic. Look, there's always exceptions to the rule. And, and in this case, you know, all three of my dogs, you can remove the, the food whilst they're eating. And uh, that's fantastic if you've achieved that. And I do talk about how to achieve that, especially with young puppies or older dogs, in my video website. I've got videos on exactly that, the training of dogs to be tolerant around food. But I just want to point out, these are the big reasons why dogs will will bite. And I'm not going into, uh, in this section here, I'm not going into exactly why. I'm going to cover that off next. Let's just say, around food, it's really dangerous. Be careful. Secondly, it's when the dogs are unhappy with some of your actions. So a lot of people get nipped or bitten or told off or corrected, call it what you want, when they're trying to maybe trim the dog's nails. We're talking about when you put the lead on and the dog turns around and tries to bite you, or you'd grab them around the collar and try and move them away from something. Or you're trying to give them an injection at the vets, or, I mean, you're not doing it, but you're sort of holding them down or something. Or you're trying to put a pill in their mouth, um, all that sort of stuff. You're brushing them. Um, you're not giving them the toy. You're trying to take the toy off them. So they're unhappy with your actions. That's number two. The third area where dogs can often be aggressive to their owners is what I'm calling deflected aggression. Deflected aggression is is where your dog in a is in a very um, stressed state. Usually it's because there's something like we'll call it danger, some sort of danger. Could be somebody at the door, could be another dog running up and down the fence line. It could be, I don't know, a cat up the tree that your dog's barking at. And, and you start uh, get, step in and sort of take control of your dog, try to take them by the collar or something. Next thing you know, they've turned around and they've nipped you. And I'll explain what's happening there. But in a way, basically, you've got in the way. They're trying to do a serious job and you've got in the way of them. So we'll, we'll have a look at that. Now, the fourth one, this is probably one of the simplest areas to sort of sort out and fix. And we can turn this around. And it's where... Fourth area is where you are invading the dog's space. So you're, you are going up to your dog and invading the space, whether they're sleeping in a bed or they're asleep and you maybe pat them, pat them on the head or, you know, you, you pull them into you and, you know, you put your head on top of their head and all the rest of it. Or it could just be that you walk up to them and, and give them a good pat. And next thing you know, they're giving you a little snap. So they're the four main reasons. Now, all of these can be made worse. The situation can be intensified. If your dog is older, possibly, not all dogs, again, there's always exceptions to the rule, but if your dog is getting old, you know, there we say it, um, you know, some older people, I mean, I'm getting there myself. <laughs> I'm only in my 40s, but, you know, I'm slightly less tolerant in some situations because my body's a little bit sore sometimes after soccer, after football practice. You know, my little kids come and jump on me. It's the same sort of stuff. I'm getting a little bit older. If your dog is older, they can certainly become a little bit less tolerant. If your dog is tired, if your dog is grumpy, especially if they're in pain, if they've not been fed, if they're stressed, if they've not been exercised. So all of these things, just like with humans in the human world, when your dog is any of these things, they are less tolerant um, than when they're very relaxed. So just keep bearing it in mind. I'm trying to help you see it all from your dog's point of view. I often, the analogy I often use is this. If somebody says something to you which is not funny, it's not a funny joke, and you've been at work for three, four months solid without a day's holiday, and you're really stressed and grumpy and you haven't been fed, you can, you know, sometimes we snap and we turn around and say, oh, 
Just leave me alone, mate, you know, to the person who's just said the joke. However, imagine the same person telling you the joke when you've been on a lovely holiday for two weeks, you've been lying on the beach, swimming and relaxing, and you're drinking a lovely drink, reading your book, and the same person tells the same joke in the same way. Hey, you'd probably not find it funny, but at least you'd pretend to laugh and say, ah, very funny. Point being, when you're relaxed, you are far more tolerant. And if you can understand that it's this tolerance that we're going to go through um, in more detail, because it's understanding how to help your dog become more tolerant that is really going to help you um, have that very tolerant dog um, verging on, for some of you, it'll be verging on a bulletproof, bombproof dog. So, topic two is basically tying in these four areas, the food, unhappy at your actions, deflected aggression, and invading the dog's space. We're going to tie in with how that all works in the wild. And uh, I'm going to try to tie in some analogies, such as, um, how it works in business with your boss um, and, you know, the, the people who work there for the boss, how it works with parents and children as a family, because I think that'll help us understand some of it. Um, because, for example, one, one, one area where this, with, where this is all sort of the same thing, because if you think of your dog as being a, a pack animal, there are leaders and there are followers, just like with parenting. Parents make the big decisions, children Whilst we want to give them more responsibility later on in, in life, as I touch on in my book, What the Dogs Taught Me About Being a Parent, which you can get off Amazon. Have a look, have a look at it if you're interested. Just like in that situation, you know, some people in the pack will have more respect than others. And, and that is a really important thing to understand. Just like in business, some people are more respected by the boss. Some people respect their bosses more. Children, parents, it's a lot of this is about respect and understanding that pecking order. Because let's face it, your dog is a pack animal. Your dog understands there's leaders and there's followers. And it's understanding what that actually means to your dog that is really, really important because it's the lack of understanding in this area. It's the lack of understanding of how pack leader, hierarchy, um, respect, tolerance. It's the lack of understanding of what this all means to a pack animal like a dog that gets us, or gets, gets us, I say, but it really gets our dogs into so much trouble. And, uh, and, and that's what I want to touch on now because if we look at the first thing, you know, or the first one I want to talk about, which is invading space and dogs who basically nip and tell people off when they invade space. And what I mean by that is, you know, you may go up to your dog who may be lying on the couch and you plop yourself next to them. Next thing you know, or just, you may just get a growl. I mean, that's another topic altogether. Well, it ties into this topic, but it's dogs who are just growling. They're just warning you and saying, stay away from me, give me some space. And, you know, there's always a thousand different sort of little scenarios that we could look at with each of these sort of topics. I mean, we could boil down, you know, dogs who are actually biting people uh, and, and look at how it's similar but slightly different from dogs who are just growling, maybe when you're sitting on the couch and it only occurs if your husband comes and sits on the couch next to you or next to the dog. So with all these things, there's little variation, but it's generally the same sp- stuff. Invading space includes if you maybe walk too close to your dog. It includes when maybe babies are walking too close to the dog and your dog's starting to growl. Now, what's happening there is it's, it's a generally, it's, I've called it um, invading space because invading the dog's space is massive. It's a huge thing to dogs and we've lost sort of the importance of invading space. As humans, we've sort of lost it. What I mean by that is, you know, we're often... 
we do actually invade space probably more than we we used to when we were sort of a bit more well, should I call it wild? You know, I mean, you look at some of the, the tubes, the subways in London where in New York City where people are crammed on and we're all invading each other's space like sardines. It's quite quite bizarre. We've actually become a bit more used to it. But that's not naturally how it happens, you know. If somebody just walks up to you and puts invades your space when there's no need to, it's rather weird. I have this funny demonstration that I do, which is um, just how sensitive we are to space. And uh, the little demonstration I do during my one-on-one consultations is I'll be sat there and we'll all maybe sat at a table with uh, maybe mum, dad and a few children. And I'll just say how weird it is when somebody invades your space. And then I may, depending, this depends on who the people are and how they're going to take it. I may start to move my hand just across just until my little finger just touches one of theirs. So my finger's touching their hand. Man, some of the responses, it's, you know, <laughs> some people jump out of their skin. If I think they're going to jump out of their skin, I probably just put my foot. So my foot is touching their foot. And that's enough for people to get it. They go, oh, my gosh, yeah, you just invaded my space. Get out of here. Now, that's a great example of how a lot of dogs respond when we invade their space. You know, we invade a human space. The person goes, get out of here. We invade a dog's space. A lot of those dogs will growl. So that's what's going on with space invading. And it's, you know, it's even worse when a stranger does it. Let's not even go there. That's another topic. But when a stranger comes up and invades your space, goodness me, it's not surprising some of the dogs behave like they do. But when we do it, it's the same thing. And if you think of, if you think of uh, bosses at work, so whether you've got a male or a female boss, doesn't really matter. And it's a little bit different now because everything's PC, so politically correct that you don't invade anybody's space. But in the olden days, let's just say in the olden days, you know, you're, if you went up to your boss and you put your arm around your boss on a Monday morning and said, hey, boss, you have a good weekend, mate, and you ruffled their hair, you know, just giving them a good old hug, how do you think your boss would respond? Now, most bosses would not be happy with that because you've just been too familiar. You've invaded their space, and that's not something that you can do to your boss. However, the really important point here is if your boss, you know, maybe on a Friday afternoon – put their arm around you and said, hey, mate, you've done a great job. Well done. I like what you did. Now, it might feel a little bit weird, but your boss sort of was allowed to invade your space a little bit more. And what's the reason for that? Well, it's this funny sort of underlying thing that you can invade people's space who are below you, but you don't invade their space. And that is just sort of one of these unwritten rules that we sort of do have. And it's a funny one, but it does play out its, itself in many different areas in life. And I'm just pointing out that dogs have the same sort of rule. Now, not all dogs have, you know, play it exactly the same way, just like not all humans play it the same way. Some people don't like you invading their space. Anybody invading their space, full, t- full stop. Other people are very happy with physical contact. contact. And dogs are the same. So I'm pointing out here that some dogs, and it's especially when they become the pack leader, because if you think about it, if your dog thinks that they are the pack leader in the household, in the pack, above mum, dad, adults, children, if your dog thinks that they are the pack leader, absolutely up there, a lot of dogs will simply growl or just start warning you, don't just come over and invade my space like you own me, like you control my space. Don't come over and start patting me whenever you want to because I'm the pack leader and that's not how it works. And I'm just explaining the rules of the dog here. I'm not saying how I would like it to be or how it would be best. I'm just saying that this is how it is. This is how dogs operate. And some dogs really do play by these rules so strictly. Um, 
You know, and if you do have a dog who's playing by this rule, which is basically I'm the pack leader and you don't invade my space. Nobody below me invades my space. Some dogs get very, very intolerant. And especially, you know, you can have a very young member of the pack, a baby, a child, and they walk too close and the dog just growls. Just to say, get out of my space. Don't come any closer. And that's what they're doing. That's why they're doing it. They're saying, I'm the pack leader. I don't want you in my space. And this is where it is important to understand that your dog can respect some people more than others in the pack because it may be that your dog is only growling at one person and that's where yet yeah, you need to look at specifically what that person's doing. And, and that's where the solution that I'm going to talk you through is it's twofold, but basically it will really help increase your dog's level of tolerance so they are more tolerant of babies, children, people coming up and invading space rather than uh, the situation that you've got currently. Now, the other thing is, the other area where, it, you know, how it all works in the wild is basically the control of things, I've called it. Basically, in the wild, it's the pack leaders, for example, who will decide who eats what food and when. So understanding the importance of food in the wild really will help you understand why your dogs are aggressive around the food. Because basically, if you're taking your dog's food away from them and they think that they're the pack leader and you're sticking your hands in and around that bowl, if your dog thinks that they're the, they are the pack leaders, you aren't gonna, a lot of, for a lot of people, you're not going to stand a chance. Your dog is basically going to put down the rules and say, hang on, mate, I'm in charge. Get your filthy hands off my food. And think of it from a human point of view. You know, if you're eating your prime ribeye steak on a Sunday afternoon and, you know, your son or your daughter comes up and tries to take it away from you, you know, you're probably not going to laugh. Might be if it's a piece of bread and there's lots of bread, not so, not so bothered. But to a dog who has a limited amount of food and they love their food, especially if they're starving and hungry, not a good thing to do. Anybody taking the food. And, and so it's just understanding, again, the food is, you know, a big uh, – controlling the food, I should say, is one of the ways in which your dog will determine who's in charge. And I go through this with a fine tooth comb inside the video website, theonlinedogtrainer.com. It's currently a dollar to join, and I suggest you just join up straight after this podcast because then you'll get a real good understanding of what I'm talking about, and you can actually watch me in action talking about all these um, all these topics and actually demonstrating a lot of this stuff. But basically, yeah, in the wild, the food is massively important, and the dogs control it. And so if your dog's the pack leader, you're going to be in trouble when you start fooling around with food. The third thing is discipline. If you look in the wild, the bosses, the pack leaders, parents, they do the disciplining. The alpha male, the alpha female wolves in the wild, if you look at the wolf pack, you know, those dogs at the top of the pack, they do the disciplining, not the dogs at the bottom of the pack. And you get a pack of 20, 30 dogs, certain dogs will tell the other dogs off when they're misbehaving. And, you know, it's, it's like anything in life. It's a hierarchy. It's not a plateau where everybody is equal. And, and the more your dog thinks that they're the pack leader, the more they'll think that it's their job to discipline, tell off when they don't like something that's happening, when they're not happy with the situation or a person who's doing something, and the more they'll think that's totally natural and they haven't done anything wrong. So one of the things about this whole topic is that you don't really have bad dogs. You know, if we were watching dogs in the wild interacting and we saw one dog tell another dog off, we wouldn't go, that's a bad dog. Look at that one, it just told that one off. We'd probably be far more likely to say, hang on, let's understand why they're doing that. There's probably a very good reason why they've done that. And, uh, and the other dog will probably know what it was and they'd uh, start to learn and understand these are the rules and these are, this is what we're going through now, the rules of your dog. So that's topic two. 
how it works in the wild, how this all sort of links up. Topic three, very quick one, really. It's the lethal combination. I don't feel this podcast would be complete without just pointing out there is a lethal combination, as I call it. It's called it's a combination of children, food, and dogs. And you need to keep those three things separate, or at least children and food can go together, children and dogs, and food and dogs, but not all three at the same time. It's simply not worth the risk. You know, my three dogs are very, very well behaved, but I still watch out when we're feeding the dogs, when the children are walking around with food. Because as I mentioned, if you actually look at the four most common reasons that dogs will actually bite, you know, one of them is when there's food involved. So it, it ticks that box. Secondly is when the dogs are unhappy at our actions. And that's kind of just tying in with the whole fact that the dogs will discipline whatever's going on and say, hang on, I don't like what's going on there. Now, just imagine child is starting to try to often dogs, children have this intention of taking the dog's food away. Now it ticks that box because your dog is not going to be happy with their actions. So there's two out of two boxes. It's ticked. Um, and the fourth, I won't go on the third one cause it's not really deflected aggression, but the fourth area where dogs will bite the most common reasons is when we invade the dog's space. Now, if your dog is eating from a bowl and the child goes over and Chances are they bend down, they're sticking their faces and heads right in the dog's face. They've invaded space. So the, the children have effectively invaded three out of those four reasons why dogs will, are most likely to bite. And what makes it worse is we've already touched on the, pack, the fact that when dogs are maybe a bit grumpy or they're hungry, they've not been fed, you know, and if your dog is eating, it's probably because it's hungry and it hasn't been fed. So look, it's a lethal combination. So keep your children away from the dogs when the dogs are eating and also when they're wandering around with food in their hands and all the rest of it. So that's topic three, the lethal combination. And now we're on to the basically topic four and five, which is uh, I've broken it into two parts, part one solution and the second part of the solution. Part one of the solution is basically this life-saving rule, as I call it. And I call it that because it, it really can for a lot of dogs. It will save their lives, if people put this rule in place, we'd have so, so many less accidents happen in the home. It'd give the dogs such a good, clear message. And here's the simple doggy down tip. It's, it's basically this. When you want to give your dogs pats, cuddles and affection, it's far safer to call the dog over to you rather than walk over and invade their space. So if, if you've got this, a dog who you're thinking is growling or is a little bit aggressive, Call them to you. Because what you're actually doing there is you're actually saying to your dog, hey, I'm the pack leader. I'm in charge. And the dog comes over to you. And your dog is going to be far less, uh, far more tolerant, I should say, than if you kind of just walk up to your dog and invade their space and start patting them. So it's, it's so simple. That's all it is. Same when children are meeting dogs. You're far better off. If children are going to meet a dog, you keep your children safe and the children invite the dog over. Then the dog is choosing to come over. And again, they're going to be far less likely to suddenly snap. But when you walk over and the dog's sleeping in the bed and you invade them in their space and you start patting them. And of course, you know, it goes without saying, sticking your head in their face, that's not a good way to do it. You know, I've got a video inside the website which talks about how children should greet dogs. And, it, you know, a lovely video of meeting and greeting. And it goes through all this in more detail. But, you know, there's certain things you don't want to do. You don't want to be sticking your face in their face. Have a little bit of respect. And that is the life-saving rule. Play that rule, especially if you've got, um, you know, dogs who are a little bit growly or being a little bit aggressive to you. Take your time. Don't rush it. 
Don't feel you have to keep wandering over and testing your dog. It's not the way to do it. In fact, the best way is to just call them over. And if they choose to come, great. And, and with time, you see, your dog will start coming. So don't worry about that. It all fits into place. Part two. Now, this, this, to be honest, is what I really show people when I do a one-on-one -on -one consultation. This is what I show you inside the video website. It's how to build up that tolerance in your dog. And you do it by actually depowering your dog, as I say. It's about bringing them down from the top of the, the hierarchy where they think they are the pack leaders, where they think they're in charge. And you depower them so that they are at the bottom. And then they become so much more tolerant of... Basically, they become tolerant of you breaking some of these rules. In other words, if your dog thinks that they're the absolute pack leader, and I've got to be honest here, you know, most of you who are thinking, oh, I'm definitely the pack leader. Well, you know, I've come across this hundreds, I won't say thousands, but I've met hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who have said, oh, I'm definitely the pack leader. And we've gone through what I go through in a consult, which is in the website. And at the end of it, they go, you know, I didn't have a clue, did I? I wasn't doing any of this stuff. No. No, people aren't. People assume that they're the pack leader. They assume that they are in charge and their dog respects them. But it's usually because of things like, my dog doesn't sleep in the bed. Well, that's good. That's, that's a good start. But there's far more important things than that. They usually think it's because the dog maybe does a sit before they're fed. Well, again, that gives you a little brownie point, but it's not that as, nearly as powerful as you may think it is. You may walk through doorways first. You may know about that sort of stuff. Again, good start, but it's nothing compared to the stuff that I go through about becoming the pack leader inside the video website. And it's when you really understand that, you know, your dog does think that they're in charge and that your dog is being, you know, growly around food, growly when you invade their space, unhappy with some of your actions, um, and they do deflect aggression, especially if they think they're the pack leader, because basically what they're doing there is they're saying, hey, there's some danger here. Leave it to me. I'm in charge. It's a bit like me as a parent. If there's some real danger going on and my son sort of comes up to me and says, oh, dad, can you read me a book? And I'm dealing with some danger. You know what? I say to him, get out of here. Just get out of here. Leave me for a second. I've got something to deal with here. And that's that deflected aggression. And, you know, if you've got a dog who's doing that, well, that's what they're doing. They're basically saying, I've got something very serious on, get out of my space. And uh, again, the more you can show your dog that they're not in charge, the calmer they're going to be. And in fact, with deflected aggression, your dog is going to be far happier for you to step up and you to deal with it. So they'll be calmer and more relaxed. So with all these issues, when your dog becomes more um, tolerant, then your dog is far, far less likely to growl or bite. And, you know, a story's just sprung to mind of a, a lady who rung me many years ago now, and she told me that her dog had bitten their child. And it was, you know, thinking about it, it is a, it's a good story for this podcast because it was the classic situation. The child had two lovely, lovely dogs. Um, I won't say the breed, but it wasn't a big breed. It was one of the smaller, fluffy, lovely white breeds. And, um, yeah, the child had had some food, biscuit in their hand. And uh, I think they'd been teasing the dog a little bit. Dog had jumped up and bit her on the face. Pretty bad puncture, you know, three puncture marks around the face. And the lady did not want to put the dog down. The, the, the father did want to put the dog down. She'd had, I think, three or four behaviors say, there's nothing you can do, just put the dog down. And uh, she said, I'm not going to put the dog down. I know there's something we can do, and I want to keep the dog, even if we have to keep the dog out of the back. So I was very willing to help. I mean, a lot of people, they made that decision. They're going to keep the dog. And it's a case of, well, if I can help them 
have a better life, then great, I'll do that. So I said, look, I'm actually pretty confident, in fact, very confident, that if you follow the steps I'm going to show you, you'll be fine. It's not a case that once dogs have tasted blood, you know, that's it, game over. That's generally a case of people who don't know what they're doing don't understand how to turn the situation around. But in fact, when you understand why the dog's bitten and you change a whole load of things in the background, well, the dog won't bite again. So I went to the lady's house. Again, it was that lethal combination of food, children and dogs. So I explained all that, explained how to be the pack leader and all the really important things that they were not doing that would convince this dog that he was not in charge and that what he'd done was totally out of, you know, um, unacceptable. And obviously I laid some uh, rules around how to play it safe for a couple of days, couple of weeks, couple of months, and you had to put all these rules in place. And uh, and she got, the, she got it, you know, and I think it was at least a year. It was a year or two years later. I thought, gosh, I must ring that lady because with these sort of situations, when you don't hear anything, you usually, you know, you can assume the best. People ring you up when there's an issue. If you don't hear from them, all is good. Hadn't heard from her for well over a year. And I tracked her down, gave her a call, and um yep she said all was good different dog very very tolerant now um better behaved all around and that was all because this dog had basically just relaxed understood that didn't have to be the military commander sort of marching around trying to control food and and make all these decisions and discipline people who were getting it wrong um yeah i mean we've talked about discipline but it is a funny one because when you think about the role of parents is to lay down the rules lay down the laws you know, the rules, the, the the job of the boss is to make some of these rules and discipline and say, hang on, you've done that wrong. I don't like that. That's not their only job. But they are the ones who effectively do do the disciplining. You know, I don't let Stanley, my young son, tell my young daughter off. That's not his job. In fact, I used to work at a doggy daycare. I'm not sure if they'll ever, this may get back to them. But uh, when I worked at this doggy daycare, you know, there's probably five or ten people worked there and uh, a whole load of lovely dogs. And one of the rules was you basically you couldn't sit there just texting on your phone. Very good rule. And now I was there working with the dogs and I saw this guy on his phone and he was texting away. And I looked and I thought, well, you know, if I was the boss here, if I was in charge, I'd go up to him and say, hey, come on, mate, you know the rules. But you know what? I, it kind of struck me. I'm not the boss. I'm not in charge. I'm not being paid the big bucks. I'm just going to let it go. That was my decision. Whether it's right or wrong, you may think I'm, you know, I should have snitched and said, hey, done something. But... You know, if I was the boss, I would have, but I wasn't the boss and I didn't tell him on off and I didn't discipline him. I did nothing. And that's kind of how it works. And your dog, you know, it very much works the same way with your dog. I see it with my dogs. I see it with dog packs the whole time. The dogs who think they're in charge do far, far more disciplining. They're far less tolerant of things going on that they don't like, that they're not happy with. You know, talking talking about um, dogs not being happy with some stuff makes me laugh how um, how tolerant some of the dogs are when I go and work with them. You know, I worked with um, I worked with a dog. It was a little um, West Highland Terrier who could not have his nails clipped. I've worked with lots of dogs who couldn't have their nails clipped, but this one was absolutely going crazy. They said you couldn't get the nail clippers near this dog. And when I when I went there, I did my pack leader stuff as we could call it. And then I took the dog's foot in my hand, clipped his, uh, clipped his uh, toenails. Absolutely no problem at all. In fact, I think he quite enjoyed it. Sure, I used some very calm energy, but it was more this dog said, I don't mind you doing it, but I'm not going to let my owners do it because they're not in charge. They can't invade my space. They can't do this stuff. But I respect you and I'll let you do this stuff. It's a bit like, you know, I let the dentist do stuff inside my mouth, 
you know, pull teeth and put fillings in. I respect him. I trust him. And that's why you allow doctors and dentists to do these things. You wouldn't let your best mate to do it, you know. And that's where we're coming from. You know, I've worked with dogs where you couldn't brush the owners, I should say, could not brush their dogs. The dog would turn around and snap and bite. And we've built up, get ready for it. Here we go. Let's see if all the stuff I've been doing is going to have an impact on this dog. And I've got the brush and brushed the dog. And it is like, you know, it's like the owner was lying. Of course, I know that owner's not lying, but they built it up and said, oh, you can't get a brush near you, near him. You'll bite the brush. He'll bite your hand. He barks. And there I am brushing the dog for the first time in several years. He's getting a good combing and it's, it's, it's great. But it all comes from the fact, not that the dog hated being brushed, but he hated the owners doing that to him. And all I can say is, again, when the dog respects you more and is more tolerant of you, you can get away with a lot of things. So part two of the solution, which is what we're going through here, is basically understand how to be the pack leader. Put all that in place and you will be amazed how almost nothing happens. Your dog stops growling. I mean, I say nothing happens. The dog will probably become better behaved and calmer all around in general. But it's just like, yeah, your dog gets it. You depower your dog. They understand you're the pack leader. They're far better around food. They're far happier for you to do things that they don't like. There's far less sort of deflected aggression. They're calmer when there's danger around. And they're far more willing and tolerant. That you know, They allow far more sort of invading of their space. And that's all inside the video website, which I've put together. So if you're thinking, so what's the next step? Well, that is the big step that you need to you know, take. And it, I say big step. I mean, I think it's a bit of a joke, really. It's $1. It's $1 to get inside the video website and you can cancel at any time. And you can, uh, you know, it's $1, I should say, for a three-day trial currently. And you can cancel at any time, even during that one-day, $1 trial. Have a look at all the videos. There's over 250 videos. But the big important section for you to go through, if you've got this sort of issue or you see it on the horizon or it's brewing, is understand how to be the pack leader. Put all that stuff in place. I've got five golden rules, um, some beautiful HD videos of me working with dogs in real consultations that you can sit and watch. It's all there. It's there for you to learn from. And that is pretty much that. Uh, kind of wraps it up. Yep. I mean, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast as much as I've uh, done. Uh, I've enjoyed putting it together. It's a fascinating topic because this is really dog psychology at its most extreme, I think, because it really does not involve um, food and treats. That's not the solution with this sort of stuff, you know, and it's actually just reminded me quite funny. I said at the beginning of the podcast, I must remember to mention the time I got bite, bitten, because I've been bitten twice. But it's this is the one I really want to talk about. And it was a big dog. It was a, I won't say the breed because I'd hate you to think that all dogs of this breed are like that. But let's just say it was a very big dog. It was a very big, tall dog with a with a big mouth. And um, he'd he'd had bitten several people, including the owners. And I went round there, and he seemed pretty calm, and we got him out. And uh, I decided, I made a decision, yep, I'll let this dog come over to me. Now, he came over to me, and I, I put the rule in place. I called him over. And so I knew that I was, it was all going well. I knew it should be fine. And it was fine. If I just left it as a little pat, it would have all been good. But I very, very stupidly, and I think it was almost, I was thinking, I'm, I shouldn't do this. And when you think I shouldn't do this, you actually focus on the wrong thing. And I was thinking, you should never put your head sort of slightly over the other dog's head. And what was really 
interesting was I actually had a video of this all happening. Um, I'd paid for a cameraman to come. I wanted to take some footage for the website. And we had a video camera of this. So I was able to watch it again and again. And the dog was fine as I was patting the dog. And it was as I started to put my head just, I only moved a fraction, probably, you know, six inches. I moved my head slightly over that dog's head. And immediately that dog's head turned and it was the slightest nip on the back of my hand. But what I found most interesting is the frame rate on the camera film was actually broken down into hundredths of a second. Well, that was what it was displaying on my screen, hundredths. And it was basically, it was basically six hundredths of a second that it took for the dog to turn and no, it was three hundredths of a second for the dog to turn and bite me. And it was actually six hundredths of a second before you saw any sort of expression on my face or movement that had actually been bitten. Point is, that's how fast the dog bites can happen. And that's where you really have to be treating the cause of the problem uh, rather than just the symptoms and trying to use treat to distract the dog when they think they're going to bite because there's no way three hundredths of a second is long enough for me to do anything. I, you know, my, my expression didn't ever even exchange, change until a wee while after I'd been bitten. And so that's where, yep, that dog, we could help that dog for sure. I was probably rushing it a little bit and I learned from that lesson. That was my time to learn when I got bitten. But it was really a case of the owners needed to step up to the mark, show that dog that he was not in charge, and then that dog would be far more tolerant of not just people who came into the house, but also of their owners and what sort of rules they wanted to put in place. So there you go. It's been an absolute pleasure putting this podcast together. Um, if you want more information, then you know the two places I'd suggest you have a look at is obviously sign up uh, on iTunes to this podcasting station so that you can basically get the next you know podcasts that come out you'll be automatically updated when a new one comes out and you can also rate the channel which would really appreciate it if you've enjoyed it and please do give it a rating so other people can find this information and uh, we can share it around and of course if you want to get access to the video website go straight to www.theonlinedogtrainer.com and there you can just sign up. You get access to the entire site, pack leader, puppy training, dog aggression, all that sort of stuff. You can browse through at your, uh, at your pleasure when you've got the time. So lots more shows coming up. Thank you ever so much for, for listening to the show. Have a great day. I'm Doggy Dan. And as always, love your dog. You've been listening to another episode of the Doggy Dan Podcast Show, bringing you one step closer to creating harmony with your dog.